I'm Matt Miller of the Ditch That Textbook podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great educational podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and my special guest today is Adam Bellow, a popular keynote speaker who specializes in educational technology and professional learning throughout K-12 education. Adam is the co-founder of Breakout EDU, the immersive gaming platform that enables teachers and students to turn classrooms into a place of discovery and inquiry-based learning. I know a lot of you out there have Breakout EDU in your classroom, and if not, you want to check it out. It's a game changer. Go to the website at breakoutedu.com. Previously, Adam was a teacher and became an edupreneur, creating several popular edtech learning platforms, including both EduTecher and EduClipper. He's written numerous books, He's also been named uh, an emerging leader by ISTE. He also serves as a board member for the EdCamp Foundation. If you ever get a chance to hear Adam Bello give a keynote presentation, you want to take advantage of that. It's certainly a special treat as he's a dynamic speaker. He's a masterful digital storyteller who will inspire you to take your technology program to the next level. As always, folks, we ask that you share out these episodes with your friends and colleagues there in your school district and share it with your school administrative leadership team. We want to spread the word and help everyone uh, spark the conversation about how we can create better schools for kids. So with that, let's roll into this conversation with Adam Bello. It's a good one, all about technology and all about how you can break out learning. My conversation with Adam begins right now. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Have another great show for you this week, folks, as we're going to bring in Adam Bello, an award-winning tech educator who's the co-founder of Breakout EDU, an immersive gaming platform for inquiry-based learning. He's one of the top speakers in the country uh, in the ed tech space. A big welcome to Adam Bello. How are you, Adam? I'm doing well, Greg. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. We were talking just a little bit off air before we popped on here. I first met you in 2016 uh, at the Illinois Computing Educators ICE Conference, where you were the keynote speaker. Uh, You've been doing this for a long time. Your TED Talk came out in 2012. So uh, how has your message changed over the years? Yeah, uh, well, uh, it's it's nice to reconnect, and I feel like – I do feel like I've been doing it a while. Not, not a, you know, <laughs> makes me feel old to think it's a long time. But uh, yeah, you know, the message I think has has definitely evolved. Um, my my thinking has changed. I think you know I've dug in more in terms of some of my beliefs in terms of, you know, student autonomy and creativity and allowing teachers to really, uh, you know, be teachers and and own their classroom. Uh, on the other hand, I think I, I've come to a different understanding of technology's place in education. I think originally I was very much bullish on um, technology and, 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 you know, my focus on education was kind of not an afterthought, but it wasn't at the forefront. 
And I think it's, you know, it's now it's silly to look back and realize like, well, obviously the marriage of the two is when the technology is, is in the background. And, um, you know, I, I think 15 years ago when I started in the space, that's something that I was all excited about the technology and I just happened to use it in education because that's where I was. But I, I definitely think in the last decade, I've, I've you know, firmly, <laughs> firmly landed in the plant of I'd rather have good pedagogy and good teaching with technology as a tool versus, you know, be focused on that tool itself or the tools that, that are out there. And you got your start in the classroom uh, teaching yeah. English and uh, you've been in a lot of different leadership positions related to technology. And then uh, you became this edupreneur. And I love that word. <laughs> uh, the founder of several ed tech startup companies, uh, edutecker, educlipper, uh, and a few others. What are some of the lessons learned there? And, and how does one go from being a classroom teacher to, an edupreneur. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, accidentally, in my case, it was definitely one of those things where uh, Edutecker was the first thing I started on, and I really did it as a hobby. You know, it wasn't done as a business. It wasn't done as anything that was, you know, a, a career-launching path. It kind of led to that, which was which was a happy accident, but um, I love to build stuff, and I think teachers, you know, inherently do love to build things, whether it be them building projects and you know, different assignments for their classroom that they put a lot of time and effort into. For me, it was, you know, I'm a huge nerd and was building a website to find other free web tools to share with teachers. And, uh, you know, it just happened to be at the right time. It was 20, you know, 2007, started Edutecker and, um, you know, basically uh, just love to share things. And then Twitter came about and got to share on there and, and share the website. And for me, you know, the focus has always been, you know, I love to build tools that are helpful to others. So in the beginning, it was building tools that were helpful to teachers, and now with Edu, you know, we're, we're a team that's very much focused on building tools that are making learning engaging um, and, and fun, but also, again, you know, making it, it enjoyable for teachers to kind of see a different side of their students as well. You know, I've heard you say a couple times that this is the golden age of invention and innovation, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, and one of the things, one of the slides that you used to use, I don't know if you do anymore, but... Uh, was the person trying to drink out of the uh, the hose with the water coming so quickly <laughs> yeah. that they couldn't they couldn't control it? And um, you know, I'm I'm just I was thinking uh, in doing some prep work for our discussion today, uh, things like Periscope and Vine are gone by the wayside. But just uh, this last week, uh, one of my nephews was showing me TikTok, and so now mm-hmm. now I have that on the phone. So yes, technology is coming at us so quickly and it's ever changing, but I can't remember which commercial it is, but you know, the one with the most interesting man in the world and the tagline is stay thirsty, my friends. That's yep, kind of, yeah, that's yeah. kind of the way I describe the ed tech space. Yeah. It, it, I think it's Dos Equis and uh, yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because I feel like I, I, it's such a dichotomous view I have where I feel like, you know, once you're given the ability to do something with technology and there are people that find value in it, it's hard to get rid of it, right? So Vine may be gone. And as you said, like now we have TikTok and other things like sharing video is such an easy thing to do. And yes, you know, people do it through Snapchat and Instagram and all these other social tools, TikTok being the flavor of the year. But I feel like, you know, that ability to create and share quickly is not going to go away. Even if those startups that, you know, are, are the, the sweetheart of the moment do. And, um, you know, in terms of that fire hose, like Twitter, I remember the days, and I, I mentioned this to some folks like Steven Anderson, Tom Whitby. Um, I remember literally going to bed, reading my Twitter feed, you know, the Ed Chat or Ed Tech hashtag, and then waking up, scrolling up maybe 50 tweets, 20 tweets, and reading what I missed. And now the joke is, of course, in a minute, you would get 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tweets, you know, that are that are vying for a hashtag. So it is, it there is a ton of information out there, and what I boil that down to is there's a ton of tools, but there's also a ton of people willing to share valuable content or ideas um, that that will hopefully help someone else. And you know, everything is pretty much app driven at this point, and I can only have so many apps on my phone. So trying to decide, you know, what is a value, what I can use, what is going to be the most useful, I think is a constant battle that we're all facing. But I, I think the thing that's really great about Breakout EDU is, is it has a little different a- approach. Uh, you know, can you talk a little bit about how Breakout EDU really started and, and why it's so valuable in the classroom for learning? Sure. So, so the brief history is, is my co-founder, James, he went to a uh, escape room up in, in uh, Canada and just happened to be there with some high school kids. He was there doing some talking at an event or whatever. And kids were in the room and he looked at him and was like, these kids are working extremely hard trying to figure out difficult problems. They've paid their own money to come into this place, you know, usually 30 or $40 for an escape room like that. And in the classroom, we give them problems. It's the same idea. We want them to figure something out or work on something. And it's like, meh, no, I'll take a C. I'll be done. And, you know, the idea blossomed. Um, you know, he got together with our other co-founder, Mark. And Mark said, you know, hey, how about we come up with this box? And Mark made boxes out of his garage out of wood. And the idea was born that we could come up with kind of what we consider a Nintendo system, right? Where it's, you know, we, we have this core set of parts and there are, literally endless opportunities to create content and games where students are basically solving the same locks in terms of the same, you know, it's the same inputs, um, the same way on a joystick, you're hitting the same series of buttons, but it's all different content. So when now, you know, the, the site has changed quite a bit, you know, when, when I got involved early on, it was, um, you know, a very, very small handful of games and it was, you know, uh, the boxes were made out of wood and um, we've really been able to kind of grow that into a, you know, focusing on student SEL skills and 4C skills where it's kind of, yes, there's content and yes, we're, we're related to the curriculum and we are tied into like common core standards and all those things. But the other piece of it is that we have this amazing opportunity to get kids out of their seats, to get them working together and talking together. And, you know, we're actually entering some work with Stanford right now where we're building, um, you know, reflection activities that kind of track their growth over time as a, as a learner. And, um, you know, it's really, it's been pretty amazing to, to get to be a part of building something that students love, teachers get to see a different side of their students, and they also enjoy doing it. And it's, you know, I like to say it's pedagogically nutritious, right? You get to have kids learning, and at the same point, you get to have them um, learning something about themselves with these soft skills that I think are so important. Um, but there's very few ways to do that in school. Uh, in an organic way. And so that's kind of, you know, what Breakout is. We, we have a website with 1,600 games on it now that work with our kit and tons of support resources. And we're, you know, every single day, we're a team of five former teachers, all of us dedicated to educators and, and kids. And every day we are working harder at making both the product better and easier and more content for everyone to use. Well, I'm a huge fan of Breakout EDU. And folks, you want to go to the website at breakoutedu.com and you know, this is going to sound silly, Adam, but one of the best parts is actually getting the box and un- unpacking the box and, and seeing all the things that are there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's super fun. And it's also like, you know, we, we, <laughs> I guess we take it uh, as just part of history now. But if you think about it, we're all former educators. And that box comes with 20 different manufactured packaged items. So for us to learn, you know, how to create our own individual locks and, and package it together, uh, in fact, one of the projects I'm working on right now with, with some of my colleagues is is an onboarding experience. And like, 
just making it easier and better and, and you know, allowing people to get started quicker. So we, we love the idea of, of you know, we're going to have emails that go out and basically show you what's in the box even before you get it because it, it is a box of locks, but it's really pretty remarkable what it unlocks if you know how to use it correctly. You know, one of the things I really like about uh, your presentations when I've had either the chance to see you in person or maybe watch a YouTube video is, is you have great slides related to the evolution of technology. And I know you're a big Apple guy and, you know, <laughs> we're both, we both remember when the first uh, iPhone came out and what a game changer that was. But uh, you also talk about the commandments of technology and, and I love to see those slides about you know, it's it's twenty. We're getting close to twenty twenty. But if you really think about it, it hasn't been that long since that iPhone came out. And think about all the things that have that have happened over a short period of time. Yeah, it, it is. You know, I try to remind my children. I have a, uh, <laughs> I have an eight year old and an eleven year old, and they're probably tired of dad talking about the good old days. But you know, I remember the iPhone came out in I think it was twenty oh seven, and I got. I remember waiting outside for fourteen hours to get the the iPhone. Um, and then uh, that was before they <laughs> they did the pre-orders. But, uh, you know, it, it is unbelievable to think back as to how it's changed learning and, and access to information. You know, obviously, we think about the Internet as being the big change in Google. But just having that in your pocket and having, you know, my kids are like, oh, just look it up, you know, as a thing where it's like, oh, you know, and I used to have my mom say, oh, OK, we'll go to the library on the weekend or, you know, we'll, we'll go to the store and find a book on it or et cetera. You know, there, there's. So much that's changed, and I think it's so wonderful because now that, that we are democratizing some of that availability of technology, that the apps are um, you know, at, a, at an affordable price or they're free um, you know, based on a social community or whatever, and allowing kids to kind of learn and, and genuinely create and share stuff that's valuable, and I think it's, it's really unbelievable. As you said, 20 years in to this century, and still people talk about 21st century skills, it makes me you know, laugh slash cringe. But, um, you know, I, I'm very much focused on what are we doing in the next 15 years, because I don't think it's about getting faster machines or, you know, you know, which operating system you're using. Obviously, the, the debate of, oh, I'm an iPad school, I'm a Chromebook school, whatever. Like, I, I hope we move past that faster and really start looking at kind of what are we actually empowering the kids to do. It doesn't matter what the device is. In fact, most of their personal technology, and again, this is not, um, you know, there are, there are certainly children that need um, that need better technology and access to tools. But, you know, for my own son, I certainly know that the phone he goes to school with is more powerful than the tools that they're letting him use in the classroom. Um, you know, how do we empower some of those kids or democratize that even further to allow them to create uh, in, in an actual, uh, you know, a meaningful way? You know, Adam, one of my guilty pleasures is watching documentaries. And uh, I guess I'm a little bit of a nerd in that sense. And Ken, <laughs> Ken Burns is the great documentary filmmaker. And sure. he re uh, recently released uh, the one on country music. And I've been watching that. He has some other great ones on the Civil War, the game of baseball. The list goes on and on and on. And you're probably one of the few people that I can have this conversation with uh, as an expert in the tech space. But if Ken Burns was to do a documentary on uh, the evolution of educational technology from uh, the Oregon Trail to virtual reality. What do you think that would look like? Well, it'd definitely be a lot of Ken Burns effects. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I think we're, from, first of all, big nerd as well, love documentaries, love Ken Burns. What would that look like? I, I think, oddly, if we were to look at that, it might be obviously about, you know, bringing the experience to more people. If you think about it, 
in some ways, schools have gone from labs where they had banks of computers where kids would share two by two. Then we went to one on one to one. And now we're almost going in a reversed method where it's like we have VR helmets for, you know, not necessarily individual kids. You know, I know there's some schools that, you know, they buy five Oculus Rifts and, the, you know, our Oculus Quests or whatever, and the kids are sharing in groups. It's interesting how technology can, at the same point, open up a world and close it down. So I think that the irony of the documentary would be about kind of this massive uh, pendulum shift into making more kids available <laughs> to each other and then kind of closing them off. Um, I think the overarching theme is obviously technology brings amazing experiences and opportunities to kids, whether it be creating a banner and print shop or creating a whole newspaper for the school and, you know, a, an actual desktop world-class publishing tool like InDesign or something like that, um, building their own websites. I mean, there's a lot of things that it can do. I don't know. I, I, now I'm really curious because I want to see that documentary. <laughs> yeah, I was just sitting here thinking myself, um, you know, I, we really don't do a, a good enough job of documenting the evolution of just teaching and learning in general. I mean, I, if someone out there is listening that specializes in filmmaking, uh, you know, I, we would love to hear from you. I think that would be a great project to, uh, you know, kind of show the evolution of teaching and learning from, you know, that industrial model uh, that unfortunately we're still entrenched in today too many times to really yeah. the, the shift to blended learning, project-based learning, all these different things that, are really changing the focus to student-centered classrooms. Yeah, I, I think that that's a really good point. And it's, you know, it's one that I remember when I, when I got to learn about the work that, that Gary Steger was doing with one-to-one -one computing, um, you know, a long, long time ago. Um, and when, when I started learning from a friend of mine, Chris Lehman, about, you know, his schools that he started with Science Leadership Academy and learning, really what project-based learning was, because I think that you know, for a long time, my definition of project-based learning, you know, when I was first started teaching, it was probably what, you know, unfortunately, or, or you know, what, what a lot of people still think it is. And I think that's still recipe work, right? Or rubric-based, um, you know, projects. And I think that, um, you know, uh, my eyes were open to seeing some of those progressive views in education. And I wonder still, you know, I understand why they're not wider spread, but I think that having something like a documentary or some stories about that would help kind of populate those ideas and cross-pollinate them in different uh, communities and different areas of education. Because I think that there's amazing work being done. It's just unfortunately not as widespread as, as we would all hope yet. And I think the one thing we can ag agree on uh, right off the bat is the role of the teacher uh, continues to change as technology yeah. becomes this, you know, prevalent force in the classroom. And, um, you know, I think this is hard for teachers a lot of time to, to understand and to accept but uh, the sad reality is, is you're not going to be smarter than the smartphone. Uh, you might be more passionate than the phone. You might be more creative than the phone. But what you hold in the palm of your hand is going to have far more information in it than you're going to have in your head. So how do we need to rethink the role of the teacher in the classroom? I mean, I think that the role of the teacher, the, the biggest thing we can do for teachers, in my, my humblest of opinions, is to kind of get out of their way. Um, I, I think that a lot of teachers, I think, don't – I mean, maybe maybe what you're saying is still very true. I mean, I, I know um, when I was teaching, I embraced that tool as, as an opportunity to learn more myself. Um, maybe that was unique, maybe not. I, I think that technology is, is kind of one of those things where schools do it because they are – you know, they need to put out a newsletter to the community and 
get the, the pass the tax budget in the next year and you know oh look we're using technology and I, I don't I think it's kind of ladled on as another um, as a burden to teachers rather than seen as an opportunity for teaching them how to um, make it part of their curriculum still I mean I know that that's something like I've seen as a struggle in the past where you have amazing teachers and they're really good at what they do. And then they, you know, not only do they have to meet all these other personal goals that their school is asking them to do from a curriculum side, but technology is not baked into that curriculum. It's just ladled on top where it's like, now you also have to use Chromebooks and use these different tools because we pay for them, et cetera. And, and I think about it in my own kids, you know, we live in a district where yes, there are technology and they get Chromebooks in fifth grade and you know, that type of stuff. But personally, you know, I would rather have a teacher that is, um, you know, excellent at their craft and not hyper-focused on squeezing in technology. Like, you know, when my kids come home and they did something in, you know, in uh, PowerPoint or, or they made a Google slide, I'm not impressed. And I, and I don't necessarily feel that that's the gold standard anymore. I feel like, yes, it's good that they're using technology, but I think if it's not used in a meaningful way, I'd rather have the teacher just teach with the tools that they're best at. Um, you know, and, and I know people might have different opinions on that. Um, I think the best thing we could do for teachers is to offer them the opportunity to kind of use these tools in meaningful ways, but also not penalize them for not um, doing everything all at once. Because I think we put a lot of pressure on teachers to kind of, you know, use everything at their disposal because it's paid for. But that's stressful. I mean, that's that's stressful. If you were told, you know, how many apps do you have on your phone? A hundred? You have to use them every day or otherwise you're not uh, meeting your phone's potential. It's, uh, it's something to think about, not, not to burden them, but to help them. You know, I was also a former high school English teacher myself. That's how I got my start oh, in education. Wow. And I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking as you're talking, uh, reflecting on my teaching experience. You know, I taught BG, which is before Google is what I tell people. So I was expected to know everything. All, every question that came from the classroom, I was supposed to know the answer. And we know that that's just not, not the case. If you ask me right now what the capital of Connecticut is, I have no idea. But I can ask Siri. I can ask Alexa. And, and if we're in the classroom, uh, you know, we can take that to the next level. We can, we can Google map it. We can go on a virtual tour of, of wherever we want to go in Connecticut or anywhere else in the world. So w when I say the role of the teacher has changed, I, I think teaching is still about, um, you know, providing kids with opportunities to expand their learning, but we can do that in a very different way now uh, with technology. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. I think it's also showing student modeling students how to use technology. So not being the, you know, as you said, like not the sage on the stage with all the answers. Um, I remember very distinctly, I went out for my, my first, actually my, my second job as an English teacher. And during the demo lesson, I did a lesson on Shakespeare's sonnets. And one of the students said, how many did he write? And I said, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was 150 something. Let me take a look. And I pulled out literally the iPhone one. Oh no, I'm sorry. The Treo 650. <laughs> And, uh, you know, looked it up. It probably took two minutes to get the answer on there. But I was like, oh, we wrote 154. And in the, in the job offer, they were like, you know, it was extremely brave that you let these AP students know that you did not know the answer. And we were amazed to see that. And I was just laughing. I'm like, well, I didn't know. What was I going to do? Make it up? And <laughs> then I had a flashback. I'm like, I wonder how many times people made up stuff when I was, you know, sitting in the seat. But it, yeah, it's an opportunity to, to kind of model the use, not only of the tools, appropriate use of social media and stuff, which is a whole different conversation, but model appropriate use of tools in general. And I think that by doing that, 
you kind of get students acclimated to to using tools not just as a consumption device not just for entertainment but really for um you know self betterment and and uh and you know meaningful creation well if we could i want to shift gears a little bit and, and talk sure. about the the big three tech players you know obviously we have we have apple we have microsoft and we have google so those are kind of the big three in my mind uh, I'm an I'm an Apple guy, just like you. I have an eye yeah. everything. I just think it's a superior product. Uh, but you know, I don't uh, disparage anyone that's using Chromebooks in the classroom. I think anything that puts a device in, in the hands of a child to help with their learning, I think, is a positive thing. But as we think about, um, you know, where we're at in the technology space, uh, it seems like everything is really uh, in K twelve education moving through Google Classroom and those Google apps for education. Do you feel like, it, I know you don't work for Apple or Microsoft, but do you feel like Apple maybe is losing some opportunities uh, along the way? There, I mean, I feel like there are some other things that they could do in the education space. I just want to get your take on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I haven't followed, you know, other than, than knowing broad strokes of their classroom integration for iPads and their big push for iPads in the classroom as a creation device haven't followed extremely closely what they've been doing. I know that they've been doing more of a push for, you know, preschool coding and, and, you know, getting the devices in the, in the hands of a kid earlier. And I think that that's obviously smart from them from a business standpoint. Um, you know, I think Google, what Google did that was really smart is when classroom came out, it was stupid simple and they added, you know, very minimal features very slowly and it wasn't like, you know, an Edmodo or, you know, a, a Schoology or something like that, or these LMSs where it's literally like, oh, we do everything. And granted, they didn't start by doing everything. They kind of had a small feature set and they've grown over time. But I think Google was really smart about getting everyone slowly. So Apple, you know, could they be doing more? I think that the answer is, of course, you know, I, I think every player, um, you know, they, they could look to what Google's doing well and try to do that. But I think that the problem is, is from their device price point. You know, it's not the 80s where they're giving away Apple IIs to schools to kind of get them in the market. Um, they're, they're not able to compete, I don't think, in terms of a hardware play. Um, I do think from a productivity play, you know, those tools, like personally, I am a Keynote user. I love my Chromebook because it boots up in three seconds, but I cannot do what I do on my, my Mac. And I am, you know, as you said, I am a diehard Apple fanboy who's, you know, sitting here drooling over that Mac Pro and all that stuff. But um, in in the education space, I think it's hard to penetrate when your barrier to entry is, you know, $800 machines or even looking at the iPad, you know, you still have a barrier to entry in some ways with, yes, it's a creation device, but really what is, you know, like people still, you know, go back and forth with what is it? Is it too expensive? I would argue no. I mean, I still have iPads from five, six years ago that my kids are playing with now that are totally fine. And, you know, it's the same Chromebook argument of, well, you replace it every three years. That's what it's made to do, et cetera. Um, so I think that there's definitely room in the space for them to kind of capture more of a market. I think that they still are going after that creative and, and build, you know, um, not, not creative, but creativity, right? Where, you know, you can create more on an iPad than you can on a, on a Chromebook. And obviously there's people that <laughs> stand on both sides of that aisle. Um, but yeah, I think that Apple, you know, their smart play is kids love the iPhone in terms of, you know, still a phone penetration. I think that we still have kids that are, at least in, in my <laughs> small market research samples, you know, Android devices are, are present. But at the same point, like the kids I know in my own personal life have iPhones or yearn for having an iPhone. 
Um, and there, therefore, I think Apple doesn't care as much, maybe. Um, they'll get them as customers one way or the other, and you know, when they can't get a Apple device, they, they might. They've been good about getting MacBooks down in price, and you know, I've heard, I've heard rumors that there will be a, a smaller MacBook Pro that's cheaper and made accessible for, um, you know, for the education market. When I was a technology director, we did use Apple extensively. We had MacBook Pros for all of the high school students that I worked with. Um, but there was grant funding involved, and most districts don't have that. And it's, you know, it, or it, not in that magnitude. We were Dell and Melinda Gates founded, uh, you know, grants. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's more they can do. Um, I would like to see them do more. I personally, as, as you know, as you do, I love their devices. But uh, I think that that space is, is interesting. And I think that the push... I almost like the fact that they're taking a different approach because it allows there not to be feature creep or, or, or uh, feature leapfrogging where it's like, oh, what'd you add this year? You added multi-rostering, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to do the same thing. They're taking a different approach. And I think that that allows them, you know, like some multi, some different focus. There's, there's tools for different uses. Um, I do think as time goes on though, they're going to have to become strongly, you know, more competitive with that space or they're going to start, you know, or continuing to lose ground, I should say, to to Google. Well, you know, you can become an Apple Distinguished Educator. Uh, obviously, you can become a Google-certified uh, teacher or innovator. I think even Microsoft has a Microsoft Innovator Program. They do. And so I often, you know, people talk with me about that. And I think those things are great. And congratulations to all of you that have gone through those programs. I think it's just it's great PD. It's going to make you a better teacher. But you and I are also huge uh, cheerleaders for ISTE. And, um, you know, going to an ISTE conference, whether it's at the state level or the national conference, I think there's also great value there in uh, becoming a tech expert. I do as well. I mean, I think that the, the biggest benefit to going to those events, uh, you know, it's, and it's the same for the online community. As you said, it's great PD for yourself to be in one of those, you know, enrichment programs, whether it be, you know, distinguished educators or, you know, um, which unfortunately I can't be. I applied. They're like, you're not a classroom teacher. You can't be an ADE. I'm like, come on. I bleed Apple. But uh, anyway, so um, that said, the, on, the on-site, in-person PD, I think that there's something there which, you know, being in a room with 100 people or 20 people or 1,000 people that are all interested in the same thing or at least been forced to go to the same event, um, that there's something there. And I think that the, my most memorable moments from ISTEs um, have been talking to people that either push my thinking or, you know, validate some idea that, you know, I've been told, oh, that doesn't work. That doesn't make sense. And, uh, you know, ISTE, and I've said this on stages and I've said this, you know, in conversation, and I've said this to folks that work at ISTE, ISTE is the most, literally the most important organization that I've ever been a part of. And, um, you know, I, I say that being a, a, a lover and a board member of the EdCamp Foundation which I think is also an extremely important and, and powerful foundation. But ISTE was the first place I ever went where I met like-minded people and, and found this ed tech niche space that we have and you know, was embraced by a community of teachers that wanted to learn more and help their students more and help their fellow teachers more. And you know, it's, a, it's a wonderful organization. It's a wonderful group of folks. And I'm very, very excited that uh, you know, this year it's the conference in, I guess, just another six months or so. It's uh, going to be in Anaheim, right near Disneyland. So win, win, win all over the place. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great organization to kind of find other folks that will champion the same causes that you're involved with. And also, 
offer assistance, tell you what, you know, what broke down along the way. There were so many times I tweeted out to the hashtag of ISD or, you know, to directly to people I'd met at ISD where it's like, Hey, we're going to implement this program. You know, the, I'm getting pushback on these things or, Oh, I have this thing going on and I'm running into this wall. Anyone else have this issue? And, you know, those are the people that have come forward and said, Oh, Hey, I have a solution for you. Here it is. And it's, it's been incredible. Well, Adam, it's been a great conversation, and I can't thank you enough for joining me uh, to talk a little bit. You want to follow Adam on Twitter, at Adam Bello. You also want to go to breakoutedu.com, and uh, now's a great time to go and make a purchase there and uh, bring some more excitement into your classroom. So as we wrap things up, as we close, uh, I guess I saved the most difficult question for last, but I know you get this question all the time. Uh, We have a lot of superintendents, principals, obviously teachers listen to the podcast, School districts have tight budgets, and so the big question is, what should we really invest our money in if we're thinking about taking our our ed tech to the next level in our school? Yeah, and that is a hard question. Um, I think, you know, unfortunately, it comes with an answer that's that's a bit lame, right? Like the caveat is, if your school is is lacking. Um, teachers that that have the training it's that it's that um you know it, it you need to get trained right i think teachers need to have the opportunity for pd i don't want to say get trained because i think that that sounds you know uh you know like a directive i think it's offering training opportunities i think it's offering students um the technology to create with whether that be you know high-powered cameras or, or whatever it is that that there are tools that they can create with and then I think it's also, you know, the most important thing, and it requires very little budget, but it requires a lot of time, is talking to the stakeholders that are there and realizing where there are strengths and where there are deficits in terms of both ability and material. You know, dropping a pallet of MacBook Pros or Chromebooks or, you know, iPads or whatever the device is will not make the school better from a technology standpoint. It's really doing the analysis and so that, you know, I'll, I'll come back and say the answer is really simple. It is time, and it is talking to those stakeholders to figure out what their goals are and what actually will be meaningful to make those goals happen. Because for some teachers, it's going to be a $5 piece of tech, and for other teachers, it'll be, you know, investing in a lab and building out a, you know, a game course with, you know, $5,000 gaming machines where the school wants to do a varsity level, um, you know, uh, game, game course. So I think it's different for everyone but it is definitely thinking about and talking to those players to make an informed decision. And I think we could agree on this idea that it has to be mobile. I mean, if you're going to make a huge financial investment, it has to be in mobile devices. Uh, I think we share this uh, thought that, you know, I wouldn't invest another dime into a large scale computer lab. If I was a principal today, Uh, unless it was going to be something uh, specific, if it was going to be a Minecraft lab, or maybe you're going to build an esports center or something like that but it has to be mobile i i would agree i would agree i mean my 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 student my kids we have a a nice imac for them that's in the hallway they rarely touch it you know whether it be the most powerful machine in the house which probably is they're running to their you know their ipad or or my son who's in middle school has an iphone and they are using that as their primary device so definitely being able to take it with you and be able to sit in a comfortable spot and you know learn and play is is definitely important Well, the good news is, again, this is the golden age of uh, technology and innovation, and you want to check out Adam Bello. He has some wonderful thoughts and wonderful ideas. So thanks for being here, Adam. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks so much, Greg, for having me. 
as we wrap it up, uh, we're going to roll into 2020 with some more great episodes. So keep listening wherever you find your favorite podcast. And as always, folks, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast with Dr. Greg Goins. Be sure to continue the conversation on social media with the Reimagined Schools hashtag and subscribe to the podcast at reimaginedschools.net. You can also help support this podcast by clicking on the listener support link and making a small monthly contribution. Contact Dr. Greg Goins today to invite him to speak or present at your next education conference or professional development day. Please send inquiries to drgreggoins at gmail.com or on Twitter at drgreggoins.